Welcome to FEPS Talks, the podcast series at the Foundation for European Progressive Studies. Find out more about us on feps-europe.eu. Hello, everybody. My name is Hedvig Giusto, and I'm a senior policy advisor at the Foundation for European Progressive Studies. I'm here today with Jai Elendiai, who is program officer at the Africa Regional Office of Open Society Foundation in Dakar, Senegal. Uh, Jai is, um, is a member of our FEPS Global Migration Group, which is a, a group established two years ago by, by FEPS under the chairmanship of uh, Giuliano Amato, former Prime Minister of Italy, to discuss uh, progressive migration policies. So Jai has been a friend of FEPS for two years and has collaborated with us on a regular basis in the last couple of years. She has joined us uh, recently in Brussels for the launch of two papers that FEPS uh, recently published and, and which are available on FEPS website entitled Time to Govern Migration Together, an Opportunity for Europe and Africa from the FEPS Global Migration Group and a second paper published together with the Foundation Max van der Stuhl, which is Migration African Perspectives. Jai, tell us more about your job in Dakar first. Hello, Eddie. Thank you for having me once again. As you said it, I'm based in Dakar. I work for the Africa Regional Office of Open Society Foundations. And we work on a module that um, promotes intra-Africa migration. The main objective of this module is to push for the adoption of uh, laws, policies and practices that will facilitate migration or mobility within the African continent. This is very interesting and uh, it can also help us explain something to people who are listening to this podcast. Lots of people in Europe believe that all African migrants only have one wish, which is coming to Europe. But we do know that this, this is actually a myth, a legend, that it is not true. What are the real numbers, according to your experience? Eddie, it is scientifically proven that uh, close to 80% of uh, um, the mobility, the flows within uh, migration flows, is actually currently happening within the African continent. These are data that are available online and um, which has been, have been shared you know, um, with all stakeholders mm -hmm. working on migration. Um, to my sense, there must be more communication and visibility to share those numbers, but also explain and deconstruct this negative perception about having African human beings trying to invade Europe. So, which is actually a tactic that uh, populist uh, movements or populist parties have successfully been able to use in their campaign to gain more electorate. Yes, um, and in fact, not only is most of African international migration Within, uh, within Africa. So people prefer to move from one African country to another African country. But also there is a, a real difficulty for some African nationalities to regularly reach Europe. 
Is this a fact? I mean, you, I think you have, you have your personal experience. Which I'm going to happily share with you. Uh, as I said it earlier, I have a permanent contract with Open Society. I'm based in Dakar. And every time it's the moment to join one of your meetings, we go through a lot of stress uh, because of visa application. Recently, we were applying for the Belgium visa uh, so that I could be part of the migration, ex the experts working on migration uh, with, um, that are part of FEPS. And um, to come for the launch of uh, this uh, timely book, which you recalled, Uh, time to govern migration together, an opportunity for Europe and Africa uh, to collaborate. And, um, and I, I went through, not within the process, because I would be able to make an appointment on time, but we, I spent monetarily 200 euros. We tried together to be proactive by applying for a long-term visa with multiple entries so that I will be able to join the other group meetings which are going to be held throughout the year. But yet I received a seven-day visa with one single entry. I think that it is very worrisome uh, because if you take my example, I have no reason whatsoever to come to Europe or Belgium and, um, and live here and, and live it's here. not your intention But, to move to Europe absolutely not and even all I'm talking about are the benefits all the investment that I've made in my country there is a very disconnect for receiving this type of messages from the Europe in general because all we want or all I wanted was to come join the meeting and then uh, go back to my return to my country And they have the opportunity to come, to come back, back again. another time without Absolutely. going through all the process to get the visa again. Exactly, the bureaucracy. But I could even come back with my, my children. I could come back for holidays. I mean, there is even an economic impact added to the, the work that uh, I'm, I'm doing because I could have come later on with my children, spend the holidays, spend, within, consume, um, and then return uh, home. So um, I think that the policymakers, and we've been advocating for that, they need to uh, integrate or think about putting in place legal pathways for citizens uh, in African countries to be able to reach Europe more easily so that they won't be tempted to overstaying. Because if you think about the rationale, People started to overstay their visa because of the burden. First of all, access to visa is very difficult. Mm. But once they get it, then they, it's for sure that they won't take the risk of going back home because they know that they will not have the opportunity to get a new one. For those who are taking the illegal right, routes, the irregular routes, those also know that even if they go to the embassy, there is no way that they wouldn't be given a visa. The cost associated to those, the, the journey is very expensive. On top of the abuses they face, the risk they are taking uh, to cross the borders, be it by sea, by road, or any other means that they're using. 
So basically what you are saying is, if you try to take the regular route you find to get to, to Europe, you find a lot of obst obstacles bureaucratic obstacles, and I would also say kind of prejudice, because when you meet officials who deny the, the visa to you because they don't trust your intentions, there is a kind of prejudice in that, Absolutely. I would say. So you have an obstacle if you try to take the regular route, uh, route to, to Europe, and then people are forced, the, the ones who want to, to move to improve their life, to find a job, to improve their expectations, their, their, their hopes for the, for the future, they try then the irregular routes, which are full of dangers. Absolutely. I'm fully agreeing with what you're saying. But I just wanted to emphasize another point, uh, because people don't only move for economic reasons. Yeah. There are many reasons which push individuals to make the decision to leave their communities, their countries, to go to a totally unknown country with different cultures, uh, different weather. And um, those reasons could be, you know, based on drought, climate change, um, a danger, uh, they're fleeing persecution. So those people should be able to use different channels. And we need to distinguish the individuals that, who are seeking for refugee with the, the individuals who are actually economic migrants. But in any case, by putting in place containment measures, uh, policies that are refraining uh, mobility, uh, be it vis-à-vis -vis the continent, the, the European continent, and vis-à-vis -vis Africa. Because um, recently we have been seeing the establishment of hotspots to refrain uh, the progress that some, uh, the, uh, that the individuals who are trying to reach Europe are taking. But those hotspots, actually, they expose further not only the individuals, they are uh, against people's, they violate ind individuals' uh, human rights. And thirdly, they are totally in contradiction with um, the African Union uh, Agenda 2063 vision, which actually promotes free movement of person and goods within the continent. You, you are touching, uh, <clears throat> in fact, uh, one issue that I really wanted to address with you. Um, I think you would agree when I say that European migration policies, particularly after the so-called refugee and migration crisis, have been very much biased towards securitarian measures and border control. The, of course, also the, the fight against trafficking and smuggling. This is a sacrosanct thing to do. I mean, I, I wouldn't deny that. While the, uh, the attention towards the establishment of legal pathways, secure, safe uh, ways to reach uh, Europe has been completely neglected. This securitarian approach has had an impact on the African countries, on the mutual relation of the African countries, in your opinion? Absolutely, um, in, in many ways. Um, first of all, there are countries that have been signing bilateral agreements with um, the European Union, which are totally in contradiction with uh, the commitment that they have made vis-à-vis -vis the African Union um, and the instruments that 
their own political institution has been trying to promote. But uh, secondly, um, those measures actually are counterproductive. Uh, we have seen figures that actually reveal that the number of people trying to cross the sea has decreased. I'm not going to say the figures, but uh, we have like some scientific ed- evidence. Yeah, we are actually back to the pre-crisis levels. Yes, but yet are we sure about the accuracy of that data? Mm-hmm. One is something that you know, I want to challenge our policymakers. Second, people tend to find alternatives when they see that, you know, you have the hotspot somewhere, uh, this, route, uh, this route is not any more secure because they, the traffickers, actually, this is, uh, some, they, it's uh, economically proven that they ma- they've been making a lot of money uh, so it's they have to strategize and find alternatives. Yeah, they adapt to, themselves absolutely to, to, to the new the, to the control and to the the measures put in place put by in the European place, place uh, the European Union and and the the partners to to block to um, govern migration. Absolutely. So even though they've been seeing some gains, but. They are organizing to find alternatives, and this, I don't, we don't believe that this is sustainable. What is sustainable is having strong partnership with um, the African Union, the regional economic communities, by putting in place multilateral agreements. Mm-hmm. What we are trying to promote is to make sure that circular migration, if it is an option, because policymakers have been pushing for secular migration, but that are actually win-win situation, not only to serve or to respond to the European labor market demand, but uh, go, uh, responding also to the need of the African countries so that when the, uh, the individuals or the international migrants, the African migrants, they come to Europe for a certain period of time, they will be uh, equally uh, interested or willing to go back home and, uh, you know, either integrating the African labor market or establishing their own businesses. That's a very important uh, factor. There is something else that I wanted also to highlight, a recent new phase of, you know, the migration, which actually is the gender dimension, which is very much... uh, adhered to any human beings, but more importantly to women. If the containment, the securitization of the, bo- the, 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 the borders are being m- more strengthened, reinforced, that would not stop the willingness of certain individuals to leave. And nowadays we have seen women and children actually crossing or taking those dangerous routes just to look for better opportunities and uh, a livelihood. And that's very dangerous because we all know the abuses that these women are facing. Uh, Some of the women now, they even uh, take both control um, because they um, they know that they have to get ready because they're going to get raped during the journey. It is almost a certainty that they are going to to be abused. Absolutely. You have the trauma associated with all that they, uh, the issues that they, all those violations that they go through. 
others, and uh, it's hot, I'm heartbroken by saying it, are traveling with their children because they think that the access will be easier when they come with their children. Or they send their children by themselves, unaccompanied ch yeah. children uh, are also traveling. So if the European Union could put in place a migration policy that would factor in all these issues and making a big emphasis on legal pathways to migration, I think it would be a big beginning of solution in managing this, the flow and, uh, and, and managing uh, migration. Um, uh, there is also another point I wanted to highlight is um, the involvement in the partnership between the EU and um, the European Union in making sure that um, politically they uh, have, um, they engage with the African Union uh, so that African Union will be able to share, first of all, their vision. There is a, a revised policy framework that the African Union have uh, been adopted and been implementing. And uh, it would be good to have just one voice so that this um, uh, migration uh, management will be handled in a coercive way. For the another um, maybe point that I wanted to highlight, which is very important, is uh, the involvement of local authorities, um, subnational governments, because the mayors are the ones who actually deal with um, the settlement of the newcomers. Yeah. And you have because migration happens at local, uh, integration happens at local, at local level. level. So you have best practices with shared best practices in Europe, but also in North America. Canada has been portrayed as, you know, being um, among a, the a most champion. advanced. Yeah, yes, a champion in uh, in uh, in integrating um, uh, immigrants and even calling for for um, a migration mm -hmm. because of the population that is uh, getting older and the shortage of uh, labor. Um, you know, those are best practices that maybe Europe could learn from. And being, you know, trying to educate the population for resisting or fearing any type of invasion. I mean, migration has been happening since the beginning of time. So. We don't understand why uh, it has been um, been shown or portrayed as uh, the ugly uh, side of uh, of um, of uh, human being. I think I'm gonna stop there unless you have additional no, questions. No, no. What, what I would like to speaking from the European side, yeah. what I what I get from your words is that the European Union has uh, developed its migration policy mostly uh, focusing on its own interests and its own priorities. Mm -hmm. Sometimes even misunderstanding what its own priorities are. While from what I get from what you said is that we should factor in the African countries, the African continent, interests and motives, as well as the motives of the people who are moving, in order to have migration policy which is more effective and more humane. Absolutely. Because this is what we don't have to, to forget, yeah. that we're talking of human beings with 
and that we, when we ensure, when we want to govern migration, we have to do it in a way that respects pe people's rights, people's human rights, civil rights, social rights, political rights, any kind of right. I thank you very much for this conversation and I look forward to welcome you to another meeting of the FEPS Global Migration Group. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Patti. Thank you for your attention. If you found our conversation interesting, do not hesitate to share it on social media with the hashtag FEPSTalks. More is yet to come. Stay tuned.